Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Well, Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. Hi there, folks. Welcome to the Believe in Wizards podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one network for podcast professionals. I am your host, Matt Moderno, and I am joined by my co-host, Larry Hughes. Larry is a 13-year NBA veteran, was NBA All-Defensive First Team, led the NBA in steals, was an NBA finalist, is a former lottery pick, and most importantly, a member of your Washington Wizards. Larry, how are you? Hey, I'm doing fine. Well, uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for teaming up for this podcast. I think we're going to be able to offer folks, uh, you know, a lot of good content this season. And, uh, you know, obviously we'll be we'll be mostly wizard focused, but we'll use that as an opportunity to kind of talk about the league and, and, and basketball as a whole. Uh, Larry, maybe we can start out and you can tell the folks what you've been up to, uh, you know, since your since your playing days. Yeah, I think just first, you know, just just welcome to our world you know, and how we see the game and, and try to give some insights, you know, to the Wizards fans and just to the public on just how a former professional basketball player sees the game. Um, just what I've been doing is really staying in, involved with the game, staying in tune uh, with the development process, which I'm really uh, interested in. So what I've been doing is um, really starting academies and starting youth development programs um, to standardize the information that our young people are learning. So I'm running academies in St. Louis and Winston-Salem, North Carolina, uh, and Sacramento, um, just as a start to really standardize the information that our young people are learning. Uh, so it gives them a better chance to be successful uh, both on and off the court. Uh, that's great, Larry. I think especially for us kind of focusing on the, on the Wizards particularly, you know, d- development's been a, a big theme this season and, and something you hear the, the front office and the organization talk about as a whole. So I, I think as somebody that's working you know, firsthand uh, on helping players kind of build the fundamentals up and work on their skill set. Um, this is kind of, you know, really appropriate for for talking about this particular team. Just a quick question, uh, you know, kind of following off of that. How much of, of your time in the NBA is actually spent, you know, adding to your skill set and things like that? Or is it, is it kind of just assumed that you're pretty solid on, on fundamentals and, and things like that by the time you get to the NBA? No, I think it's, 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 very different because the kids are coming in younger uh, these days and they're still in that development process. They're still in that potential space. So I think it's an ongoing process for these guys to, you know, continue to add to their toolbox. Um, and for those that have that foundation of, of fundamentals and skill development, I think that they are the ones that are, you know, that'll be most successful with that. But man, I mean, these, these guys are coming in young and we can't uh, expect them to be, you know, a finished product. So the development, is, you know, doing shoot around, doing film sessions, you know, watching games, you know, watching teammates. You know, I think that all plays a part in, you know, in that development of, of these athletes. It, it seems to me, you know, as, as an, an NBA fan that not only are guys coming in younger, the, the overall makeup of the team seems a lot younger. It feels like during, you know, your playing time, there were five, six, you know, veterans in their 30s on a roster. And, and, you know, a lot of teams now may only have one guy. Um, the Wizards specifically, I would think Jan Mahinmi is probably one of the few, like, elder statesmen on the roster. How, how big of a difference is that, do you think? Well, that's a huge difference. And I think um, that, you know, plays into success of the teams. And 
you know, having veterans around, I think that that's very important because, again, like I said, you know, these guys are coming in young, so they need someone to learn from. They need a blueprint. They need someone to uh, guide them in the right direction. And a lot of times, you know, your peers are trying to learn the exact same things you're trying to learn. So it's a tough, uh, it's a tough way to learn. So with having veterans, you know, mixed in with those young guys, giving that energy, uh, it, it makes a, a good, you know, mix for success. One thing that that the Wizards will hopefully have to to kind of add on to next year, obviously, you know, Beal's been around for a long time and, and Wall, but, um, and, and Ish Smith, guys like that. So there are older players, but, uh, you know, two thirds of the team are, you know, in their early 20s. So this team in particular, I would expect to see get a little older by next year. And, and that's been good, I think, to let them develop. And then hopefully you can kind of complement and supplement the knowledge share for guys next year. Sure. Some folks are, are probably sitting there wondering, well, you know, what what are what are Matt and Larry doing kicking off um, a, a Wizards podcast right as the NBA season gets suspended? So this might be a, a reasonable time for us to say, yeah, we're, we're just using this as an opportunity to kind of figure out where where we stand with the team and, and let our listenership kind of understand how we feel about everybody. And, and we think we can kind of offer people, you know, a little bit of, of a way to get their basketball fix while while we wait this thing out. Larry, as a, as a former player, tell us what this must be like for these guys, you know, that, that are just, that are trying to play their way through this and, and just suddenly got the memo from the league last night that, that their season's on hold. Well, I, I think it's a, a, a tough time, you know, just with, you know, with the, with the health scare. Um, a lot of these guys, you know, they're, they're winding down, right. The, the playoffs are, are kind of set, you know, people, the, the teams know, you know, where they're going to stand, you know, as far as the playoffs. So, you have guys that are, you know, trying to earn roster spots for next season or, or get extra looks uh, to make sure that they can prolong their career. So it's going to hurt those guys that are, you know, trying to showcase uh, their skills and their talent, um, you know, to get that chance to, to make it on a roster next season. So it's going to be tough for those guys. And even, I mean, you just got to think about the stars, man. The stars are going to get, you know, asked the most questions about, you know, how do they feel? What should they do? How should they do it? And I'm sure that they don't have the answers. Um, when you talk about, you know, a work stoppage, but you also have to think about your family, you know, and how that plays a part in, in your everyday life, because, you know, speaking from a, you know, from a former guy, man, I mean, your family is the most important. So yeah, you have a work stoppage, but I think the focus, you know, is, is going to turn to their families very quickly on making sure that they're safe um, and out of harm's way as well. I've got to imagine because, you know, I spend a good amount of my time on, on you know, NBA Twitter and the message boards and, and trying to monitor, yeah. you know, where the fans are at with respect to things in the league. And you see a lot of comments throughout the course of the year over, hey, you know, this guy didn't didn't give anybody high fives as he came out of the tunnel or this guy didn't sign autographs. And um, can you talk, you know, a little bit what that's like as, you know, as a player where where somebody's always like trying to touch you or high five you or, or give you a fist bump and you're exposed to everybody's germs from, from every walk of life. And there's also this perception where if you don't do that and you're not willing to high five a stranger or you don't know where their hands have been, that, that you're kind of a jerk. I mean, that, that's got to be a tough thing to kind of to manage mentally. You know what, that's, that is really a problem, man. Just, just thinking that, you know, you, you know, if you don't, you know, smack a hand or, or give a high five, you know, that you're being, you know, disrespectful if you, if you put a fist pound up. I mean, that is really um, that is really a thing, and that's really something that you know, I feel that like I had to be aware of uh, because I was concerned with with how people saw me, as far as it being you know being uh, accessible, uh, being a normal person, uh, being humble. So I think that those things are going through a lot of these players' minds. But at the end of the day, it's 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 really about you know safety for these guys, and I'm hoping that they could 
you know, accept any sort of backlash um, from anyone, you know, just to stay healthy. But like you said, man, when you when you are walking out of those tunnels and those fans have their hands down, you don't know if it's their first experience in the gym. You don't know sometimes if if, if they're dealing with something, you know, that, that you know, just, uh, you know, a high five can be, you know, their support system. You just don't know. But just in the climate, you know, that we're in, you know, I'm hoping that these guys are, are you know, taking the right approach and, and, and the fans and, and everyone involved can be respectful um, of that. That social space is what they're calling it now. I think that's something that the average person doesn't have to think about too much during their, their daily life. If you're sitting in the office, you know, you're not, you know, giving as many high fives. So you're not expected to, to do those things as, as you are, you know, if you're in the arena with, you know, 20,000 fans. So it is much different. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, I, I spend a, a good amount of my my time during my day job traveling and, and there's a good amount of flights involved. And, you know, I feel like anytime I fly during the winter, I, I come back with a cold and, and that's yeah. just being in a close space with, you know, people for a couple hours. I, I can't imagine, you know, a, granted guys, you know, fly on private jets and stuff like that now and, you know, team planes and, and, and all that, but it's still, you know, you're in and out of, of places where there are a lot of people. So it's gotta be the same thing all the time. Can you, can you talk a little bit about what it's like, you know, as a player managing that? Cause you know, it never shows up on, on the injury report when, Hey, you know, this guy's got a really bad cold from just, just yeah. being sick that time of year and stuff. Yeah, man, that, that's, that's the tough deal about it is, I mean, obviously you, you see, you know, as a player, I mean, the outside world see, you know, that you get paid a lot of money uh, to be out there to perform and, and play at a high level. But it's, you know, all those things, those common things that go on in everyday life, you know, in, in a normal, you know, not professional household go on within an athlete's house. Um, you know, your, your flu, uh, your sinus infections, your things, the things that you can't necessarily see, you know, you know, from the outside looking in, those are the, the tough things to deal with because your fans always expect you to be your best. And if you don't go out and perform um, in a way that they're, they're accustomed to you performing, uh, they just don't know. So they sometimes related to, you know, other things that are going on when, Hey, guy had a runny nose, man. A guy was just had a little bit of a stomach flu, uh, but he was out there competing. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I mean, you, you never, um, you know, you never take those, those, those opportunities for granted. So as a player, you know, if, it, if it's, if it's not broke, right, you're, you're out there on the court. So that's something that we, you know, that we all deal with and understand that the, you know, the public, they really, you know, they think they have an idea, but they really, you know, they don't have an idea of what, you know, these athletes go through, you know, on a daily basis the traveling, the different hotels, uh, you even go down to, you know, some of the hotel rooms, are they, are they, um, you know, the, the pillows, uh, feathers, or are they, you know, stuffed? I mean, it, those things, you know, factor in, you know, help. I think that's a big thing that we want to, you know, accomplish with this, this podcast is, is give folks kind of an idea of what the other side of that might look like. You know, you, you see a lot of things from the fan perspective and just what you see through your screen, but um, you know, just just being in the locker room after games and, and the media scrum that's in there, you know, it's it's got to be an awkward feeling to know that, hey, you know, as soon as I get out of the shower, there are 25 people waiting to mob me and, and stick phones and microphones and and all kinds yeah. of stuff in, in my face. And, you know, you always see these articles that, hey, you know, a phone is one of the dirtiest things that somebody can have. And now someone's got it, you know, four inches from your face as you've just, you know, played a tough game. And it's got to be a lot to manage. 
Oh, it is. But I think, you know, like we talked about earlier is, is you know, veterans in the locker room, you know, mm-hmm. those guys that, that teach, you know, the guy, the new guys in the locker room the way. And that's really, a, you know, that's really a, a, about being professional. And that takes on a, a many different hats as far as to, you know, when and where uh, you need to be professional. It's not always easy, like you're saying, a tough game. Um, you may not want to talk, but you are professional. Uh, your fans want to hear from you. Uh, the public wants to understand from your point of view. So it's all about, you know, taking that professional angle and, and really executing the job. All right. Speaking of professional, are you ready for this big time podcast segue here? We're going from acting professional and talking about locker rooms. We've got to transition into, uh, you know, Rudy Gobert, a lot of, a lot of stuff coming out that not only was he messing around with all the microphones and stuff in the yeah. media room, you know, but uh, his teammates have kind of let it leak that he was, you know, licking stuff in the locker room and putting his hands on everything. And, and now he's got a teammate who's, who's also sick. Um, you know, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what that's like and, and how you're feeling if you're one of Rudy's teammates right now? Yeah, man, that's just, that's just not, that's just not cool. I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, I think that there are enough professional guys in that locker room. And, and I don't think it's a, it's a snitching deal. I don't think it's a leaking deal. I think that that information needs to go out uh, to make everyone aware of, of how severe um, or how dangerous this thing is. I mean, it can be passed uh, from person to person. So, I mean, that's not acceptable. And, it, I mean, he's going to have a hard time, uh, you know, getting back in the good graces of, of definitely his teammates. I think the organization can, can come around faster. Um, but like I said, these, these guys have families that, I mean, that's the most important thing to them. And if you're going to do something that's going to jeopardize the health of, of someone's family, it, it, it's tough to come back from that, um, that situation. You know, Donovan Mitchell, the other teammate that got sick is, is a younger guy, you know, uh, hopefully he's better equipped to kind of deal with it and progress through this. But what if that's a 60 year old assistant coach or the yeah. trainer or just the guy in the tunnel or someone on the media that, that, you know, that that's uh, got some health issues or whatever, you know, how, how does, uh, how does uh, someone like Rudy Gobert come back from that? If, if someone gets really sick because he was kind of irresponsible and, and you kind of alluded to the, the snitching thing. So obviously Evan Fournier came out today and said, uh, about those comments that, that things had leaked from the locker room about Rudy's behavior that now we're snitching on teammates. And it's one thing if it's, hey, there was a players-only meeting and the contents of that get leaked to the media. When, when you're dealing with something this serious, it's that, that takes priority. Yeah, you got it. I mean, all that, that stuff goes out of the window. Like, you got to explain exactly how these things occurred so you can help the next person out, right? It's, it's no need for a teammate to say, you know, he was a model citizen. He didn't touch anything. We don't know how this happened. And that's going to put us all in a, you know, in a confused state. So it's best to come out and say exactly what was going on, exactly what led to, you know, these things happening, because you're completely right. When we talk about the, the ages of these guys, I mean, we don't know enough about this stuff, but we know that it's affecting, you know, the, the people of, of age more than, than the younger people. So, I mean, assistant coaches, coaches, uh, security guys, I mean, if you're playing with, with teammates, I'm sure that you are playing with employees and staff as well so that can get really really messy for sure I you know I I definitely think this is this is kind of unprecedented ground so maybe you give give somebody a a little bit of a pass here just you know not understanding the right way to handle themselves but but like you said hopefully veterans in the locker room can can kind of help nip that in the bud but it's unfortunate that it happened but but that's a big thing for for younger people that look up to these players to see and uh, you know I think there's some kind of 
assumption by by fans and the public that that you guys are you know almost superhuman and you play through injuries and and you're tough and and physical but now it's hey these these two all-stars are sick and battling these thing you know this thing it hopefully that hopes kind of reinforced to to people that uh, this is a pretty big deal yeah i think that's the most important thing with you know with having the the nba and and the, the you know the stature that it is i mean they really set you know a lot of you know, rules and, and how things will go. So I think that, you know, them making that call of suspending the season, you know, at this point helps the college and the high school, you know, and the youth guys, you know, make sound decisions because now they can point to something uh, that's out there. I mean, that's a huge deal with, with development and, you know, with just playing basketball is that everyone always looks to those professionals. So for the league to set that, you know, set that standard is, is I think it's, it's great um, for the country, really. Uh, Larry, your son is a, is a young up-and-coming player in, in the St. Louis area. Are, are his games still going on, or are they suspending play for the time being, too? Yeah, so we're now in, in our state tournament. Um, so they are, you know, working with our, our state officials to understand the different venues. We've had colleges that have pushed their 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 spring breaks back uh, that are now dropping out of the this, this state qualifying tournament so they can take care of their venues. So it's, it's really um, – you know, it's, it's really a mess right now. We don't know exactly where our game will be on Saturday. And today is Thursday, so we may not know if that game is actually going to even be played, you know, on Saturday. So a lot of things are, are unknown right now. Um, but we are, you know, erring on the side of, of being very, very cautious and not putting too much weight on the basketball game. We're really uh, putting a lot of focus on health. And if our games aren't played, we're fine. Sure. Yeah, that, that's that's the smart way to look at it. And it's it's not always um, it's not always easy to do that. Over the weekend, I was at the prep school national championships, and you know it's the fourteen best prep school teams in the country all there. And you know this is kind of the thing they work to all year. And and folks in the surrounding area, it's up at uh, in New London, Connecticut, where people in the area that are basketball fans were coming to watch this thing. And and unless you were you know with the team or a family member, they were they were being turned away and. You know, you heard a lot of like kind of, you know, grumbling from from a lot of those people that, that got turned away. But you got to you got to realize that this is this is a much bigger deal. So just kind of pivoting a little bit um, about what the NBA will do if, if play does resume. I, one of the comments I, I thought was interesting, um, you know, recently former wizard Isaiah Thomas um, suggested that we'll don't even hold the games in stadiums, just just play them at the practice facilities. And and um, the, just a question I had for you is if it if they do spin things back up and they do decide to play without fans, how big of a difference is that, you know, playing in, in a small gym with, with no crowd versus, you know, 20,000 people. I, I got to imagine that most NBA players that are, you know, are, are used to playing in front of crowds of at least a couple thousand people for every game they've played, you know, high school yeah. through the NBA. That, that's got to be quite a culture shock. Yeah. Matt, it, it's the energy. Um, you know, it's the energy. That's, that's something that you can't fake. I mean, even, you know, when you go into the playoffs, I mean, your coach will play, you know, loud music, you know, to simulate, you know, distractions and things of that nature. But that still doesn't count for, you know, live fans. Uh, the adrenaline that that pumps through you, you know, on a fast break when you got, you know, fans you know, standing up and screaming, uh, supporting you. That's it's it's um, you know, that's an interesting call, man, to not play the game with fans. Obviously, you want to you know, make sure that the, the, the athletes and the standings and everything, all the games are played, but the fans really make the game. The fans really create the environment um, along with, 
you know, your arenas and, and you know, the live entertainment, um, the noise that's created uh, with people, uh, uh, with personal interactions, kiss cams, you know, <laughs> those things are important to the overall game. So I, I think it's going to be extremely tough uh, to put these guys against each other in, in basically a, you know, inner squad scrimmage game. It's a pickup uh, game. Them, yeah, and tell them that it's, you know, that everything's riding on it, right? It's, it's going to – it'll feel like practice. And, you know, your fans, you know, also hold you accountable. So, you know, you're missing a little bit of that accountability when your fan, your fans are out of the building. So I think I think that's a tough – can we do it? I, I completely know we can, uh, but that's that's going to be a tough way to go. Interesting to hear you say that because that's that's one thing I've always wondered about is is how much are the, you know, the pregame hype videos or intros or fireworks, you know, the the big displays that they do to kind of get the game started. How, how much of that is for the fans versus for the players? Like, do you guys do you feel like okay now now it's game time because these things are all happening? Oh yeah, oh yeah, you you definitely feed off of that, right? I mean, you, you're 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 lacing them up, you know, eighty two plus, and you need you know, different things, you know, on a nightly basis to, to get you going, to get the, you know, your, your skin to, you know, to, to perk up, you know, the hair, the back, the hair in the back of your neck to, to raise up. I mean, that, that stuff plays a part in, you know, in your overall process to, to playing basketball. That plays a huge part in, in what you do and how you do it. Because you've been accustomed to it, it's normal for you. You know, if things change and obviously there's a new norm, but at the same time, I mean, these guys have been doing this, like you said, for a number of years already. And it's, it's almost expected to have, you know, butts in the seats and, and, and faces in the audience to, to support you and to, to boo you. Because, uh, again, some guys get excited when they hear the boos. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, if, if there's no boos, there's no cheers. Like, what are you using to, you know, to grab that extra motivation uh, to get the job done? I think that's going to be something difficult for the the league to, to navigate through if, you know, they decide and – Hey, two three weeks, maybe it's safe to start playing again. You know, one one thing I, I pitched on Twitter, and at this point, I'll give us all a shameless plug for for folks to follow us at Believe in Wizards on on social media. Um, what was the notion of you know maybe you're the NBA, you you just pause the season for a month or two, and then you know you get right into the playoffs, and and maybe you could say. Hey, at this point, everybody in the league makes the playoffs. Um, you do one versus 16 and do a shortened round or something like that. Best of three and work your way, you know, two against 15 play. Have everybody have an opportunity to sort of play themselves into contention. I think you can't just cancel the rest of the regular season and skip right to the playoffs. Cause then if, Hey, those teams that were in the nine seed or the 10, 11, 12, especially in the West where everybody's kind of lumped pretty close together it's not fair to them to sort of cut them out so what, what do you think about something like that as a way to to maybe hype up fans a little bit especially you know if you're a Wizards fan and you're in the 9-10 seed that would give you an opportunity to sort of play your way in maybe you get fan bases engaged that wouldn't have been otherwise well I, I think they um I know in the west it, it's a little bit tighter as far as that eight that eight spot but then again it, it's a, you know, it's like three or four games and those three or four games I mean with 16 or 17 games left those are really tough to make up so I really feel like that the, you know, that the, the the table is set pretty much. I mean, you could have some some wiggle from six, seven going to six, or or, or vice versa. But I, I think the table is set. I think if you call the you know call the regular season now, uh, start with your playoffs, have some sort of you know play in or some sort of something that gives you know nine and ten in the mm-hmm. West a chance to grab that eight spot. I think that that could could make some sense. 
But I'm all for just cutting your losses. Someone teams are going to get caught with on the on the wrong end. As there's there's going to be that's a that's a fact. Uh, but just cutting the season, and once we reconvene, we're rolling right into first round of the playoffs. Um, because I believe that teams will have the opportunity to practice and get in the gym with each other uh, beforehand. And then once we're able to get into the gym with our fans, I think that we start uh, our, our playoffs because that, that is a huge draw. And I think that everyone is, is, is more geared towards the playoffs as opposed to the end of the regular season because our battles aren't as close as you know, in some years. You mentioned something there that, that I didn't even think about. If, if this goes on for a while and, and, and teams aren't together and they're kind of, you know, quarantined individually and they're not practicing, you got to have some amount of time to kind of spool back up and, and get back in the flow of things with some guys. So it wouldn't just be, hey, the league says, you know, it's safe to play and the next day games resume. It, it's going to take them a while to work things out with arenas and, and reschedule stuff and um, get get teams a little bit of practice time under their belt. So that's maybe another couple weeks um, on top of that. Yeah, I, I do. I think it, I think it's a, a process, and I think that they're erring on the side of caution. But I like to see. I mean, these are really the, the the dog days, you know, of the league. Right, you're coming down to the end of the year. Guys are already thinking about you know vacation spots. Not this year, uh, but that's really been the mentality, you know, over the years. Is obviously if you're not you know close to the, the, that playoff race. March, end of March, you're really thinking about, okay, uh, where's the family going for, for, for our, our summer trip? You mentioned this, you know, the playoffs would, would be mostly kind of pretty well settled on at this point, especially for the East. So uh, that would leave our Washington Wizards just on the outside looking in as they're, you know, a handful of games back at the Orlando Magic for the eight seed. Do you think that's the best for the organization at this point, Larry? You see a lot of back and forth online about, oh, they should, they should go all in, try to make a playoff run. And then there's this opposite approach of, nah, take the lottery pick. Maybe you, you, you win the lottery, get a better draft pick. Where do you kind of stand on that? Well, I, I think, you know, I think the Wizards will get a little bit of help because it doesn't look like it'll be left up to them as far as uh, if they're able to, you know, really you know, put forth an effort to, to chase down that number eight spot. I, I really think that once play resumes, that we'll start um, in the playoffs. Sure. And, I, and, and I, I think it could be, you know, a good, a good thing for, for the Wizards. I, mean, I think that you know, they understand what they have. They understand. Uh, that they're in the process of, of rebuilding. Uh, so it's nothing like having, you know, a full scale, full time to identify what those needs are. Uh, those needs will come uh, within the drafting process, you know, the free agent process, but it just gives them time to, to understand their direction a little bit more. And I think that those guys, uh, well, I, I believe that those guys over there know what they're doing. And, you know, if they're giving an, enough time, I think that they can execute their plan is to add, you know, those young guys with those veteran guys, uh, with those development guys as well, to, to create a, a product that they can go out and win some games. Totally of, of the same opinion here. So just maybe let's use this as an opportunity to kind of dive full in on the Wizards and and uh, get folks kind of up to speed on, on on where you are with, you know, certain guys and, and how you feel about how the season's gone for, for different players and the organization as a whole. And, you know, maybe let's just, you know, kick things off with Bradley Beal. Um, he's averaging, you know, over 30 points, four or five rebounds, six assists, which has got to be near a career high for him. He's played the majority of the games for the season. People have mentioned many times did not make the all-star team, but but looked poised for um, at least consideration for an all-NBA spot. Larry, if you had to give Brad a grade on, on how this year's kind of been, what would that be? I think he's taken a challenge. I think Brad has, has done a great job of really taking the challenge. I think he's done a good job of cutting out the noise um, and really standing on his his decision. 
I think, uh, you know, as well as he's playing, you know, I can imagine how many conversations that he's had about, you know, you should have did this or you should have did that. Uh, but every, you know, comment, you know, every article that's written, he's talking about, you know, how proud he is of his decision uh, and where he sees himself going, you know, in the future. So I think that that's a guy that you, you know, you want to build around that guy, right? You want to build around that guy who's, who's not going to leave at the drop of a hat, um, is, is a great guy in the community. Um, and on top of that is, a, is an amazing basketball player that's only getting better, uh, like you said, with averaging probably a career high with, with, with his assists. And, and watching the games, I think he's, uh, he's the engine uh, that's going to make that, that thing go. And obviously they're waiting for the wall to get back. But he's, he's, Brad has really proven that he's, um, you know, he's a cornerstone of, of that organization. You know, there's there's been a lot of talk recently about you know working on some mechanics, changing things. You know, his three point shooting's been been improved here lately. Um, he's obviously been stellar overall on the offense offensive end this season. You know, if you had to have some sort of criticism of of his performance this year, you know, maybe a little bit of uh, the de- you know defensive effort comes into question a little bit here. Um, yep. How how tough is that? You know, you, you you've been in this position where where it's sort of like a Hey, the playoffs are, are likely out of reach this year, but I have to keep up. I have to keep playing. I'm a competitor. But but how hard is that to to dig in every night and, and bring that extra, you know, couple percent on, on defense every possession? Well, it's it's tough. It's tough. And it, it, it has to be in your makeup. Uh, it has to be, you know, something you you're surrounded by with your team, your organization, with that thought process of, of defense is what's going to take us uh where we want to go. I mean, I, I think the Wizards, I mean, they, they play extremely fast. You know, they get up, you know, you know, a lot of shots. So that puts a lot of pressure on their defense. I mean, on a nightly basis, I mean, they're, they're in transition an awful lot. Um, so I think that that's something that they should, should, should think about um, as far as, you know, shot selection and, and really, you know, valuing possessions and understanding, you know, what we're trying to get, you know, from, you know, the first quarter uh, through the third quarter and then understand, you know, what is it going to take uh, in that fourth quarter. Uh, but those guys, you know, the league is not, you know, a defensive-focused league, but the teams that are talked about that, you know, in championship contention, they all uh, have a defensive focus. So I think that they can play off of that and understand that it's just not, you know, Brad, you know, also, it's just, about, it's just not about how many points you can score, but you have to stop the other team. And that, that has to be a focus for them. As as we mentioned at the start of the show, you know you were you were an All NBA level defender um, for for the majority of your career. Um, did players know when like, hey, this other guy has it and he has the ability to lock in on D, but but maybe sort of isn't putting all the the mental energy required into doing that? Like, do they go at a guy like that more if it's like not maybe their main focus? I think they do. Um, an offensive player is going to go at you if, if obviously they recognize that you're not, you know, you're not a defensive player uh, and you don't, you don't have any real interest in playing defense. And they'll, they'll also, you know, those guys that are really the offensive machine that makes their team go, the best thing you can do for that guy is go at him on defense so you can try to wear him down uh, on the other end of the court. So I think it's, it's a balance of, of what players know and, and who you are and knowing that where the league is going, that the focus for all the teams, except the ones that are really in championship con- contention, are mainly about offense. Mm-hmm. So when you want to swing your hat into contention side, defense is, is, is going to be a focus of that, you know, in that process. I think that, you know, a really good point that you make about the the, the real championship caliber teams here are, are 
are usually the better defensive teams in the league. And that's not to say that they, they can't score with the best of them, but, but they know that when, when things tighten up in the playoffs, that, that that's gotta be, you know, kind of what propels you. Uh, speaking of, of personnel and their, their, their defensive aptitude, um, Obviously, you know, a big addition for the Wizards this year was was rookie Rui Hachimura, um, six foot eight forward out of Gonzaga. What, what do you think about Rui's uh, year that he's had overall so far? I think he's he's been solid. I think he's, you know, he's the guy that, that came from a good program. So he had you know, some of that professionalism, you know, built in. I like how he goes about his work and goes about, um, you know, getting out there on the floor. And the main thing with those guys that are coming in now, you know, from, from college, it's, it's going to be help. Um, putting a lot of strain on those guys now. Uh, it's definitely a different environment. So the, the better he can, you know, keep his body in shape, you know, the more he can spend time out there actually on the court uh, playing is going to be good for him because he, he has that foundation. He has that good base. Um, so now it's about being healthy so you can perform and you'll get better on the nightly basis. Tommy Shepard uh, talked a little bit this season that, that one of the things they, they liked um, – best about Rui during their, their draft evaluation is that he isn't a product of, of the, the AAU system in this country, that he was able to grow appropriately and not to, you know, put too much strain on himself at a, at a young age. Do you, do you buy into that, that, that the AAU, you know, tournaments where you play four or five times in a day sometimes are, are wearing players down and kind of shortening their, their career? Well, I, I think it, it plays a part. Um, it plays a part. I think it's it's not just you know AAU. It's it's also parents um, that have the dreams of of you know having a professional player you know in the house, and they can be pushed to levels that you know young people shouldn't be pushed to. And I think it's a gradual. I think it's a gradual process uh, for me, especially being in the space. Um, I think they've gotten better uh, with tournaments and how they schedule games. Uh, three to four games uh, for me because these games are, you know, 20 minute, you know, running clock is not as, as, as strenuous as a, you know, 48 minute game or, you know, a 20 minute college game or 40, excuse me, 40 minute college game. So when you talk about AAU, it, it is about, you know, the, the amount of games that they're playing that could factor into them, you know, problems later on, but it's about their system. It's about their support system as well um, that are monitoring what they're doing. Right. You can't push a young kid that's not developed yet to five, six, seven, eight games in a day. It's only going to you know, lead to the disaster once that guy is, is matured enough to actually go out and play uh, at, at a higher level. So that's I mean, AU is not necessarily um, the culprit in this situation. I think it has a lot to do with, you know, with our parenting and, and making sure that we are uh, have the right focus in place. Yeah, I think that's a, a very sensible way to look at it, too. And I think a lot of times, you know, we, we take the extreme example and, and kind of say that that's the norm. So, uh, you know, I thought that was interesting that, that Tommy said that. But um, for whatever reason, you know, they chose to evaluate him. It seems to have worked out. He's He's been productive so far. You know, again, I think if you had to pick a, a criticism, one of the things you, you often hear from from fans is that not always, you know, locked in consistently on defense, you know, gets gets caught looking sometimes or gets beat back door. How hard is that transition, you know, from from a college player to an NBA player, you know, to pick things up defensively? Is is that tougher than the offense? You think it's tougher? I think that there's concepts. I think that the the team, you know, when a young person comes into an organization, the team has to have, you know, how they operate, right? They they must have, you know, the the pillars in, in which they operate. So now a guy like Rui can fall into 
that understanding. Uh, if he comes in and you're, you're teaching him on the fly, he's not coming into a culture, he's not coming into an environment um, that's, that's really stable, right? We have a, guys on, on the Wizards team that are, you know, newcomers, first-year guys, um, new to the situation, new to the system, and it's tough for a college guy to, you know, to, to be at its best. Uh, so you have to look to those older guys. It always falls back to those older guys to really set that standard uh, to talk to, you know, those young players on how to be in the right position. Right? Defense is all about being in the right position. It's not about necessarily how about how fast or how strong you are. It first starts out with being in the right position. And that's coaching, that's development, um, and that's just information download. So not only, you know, you don't necessarily have to go through the physical part of, of defense to understand how to play it. Um, so you can watch film, but at the same time, there has to be a structure in, in how, you know, our defense is going to operate. And I think that that can help, you know, the young guys out as they come in uh, from completely different, you know, different environments and in the college space. College is like wrestling nowadays. The NBA is, is, is like swimming. I actually really love that. Um, <laughs> at our, this prep school tournament I mentioned over the weekend, it, you know, unless you tackled a guy multiple times on a possession, the, the referees didn't, didn't seem to blow the whistle for that. And I think that, that probably plays some amount of, you know, a factor into it too, is that at different levels, the game's called differently and, and you kind of have to adjust to what's a foul in college versus what's a foul in the NBA and more, uh, you know, what, how many hands you can put on a guy if he tries to post you up in the odd occasion someone does post up, you know, stuff like that. Uh, so, so one of the things that, that I keep hearing, um, you know, from kind of the fan base at large is there's been a lot of talk about the, the need for a rim protector um, and how despite the, the things he does positively offensively, Thomas Bryant isn't really that kind of player and, and people, you know, Anytime someone scores at the rim, they assume that, that that's the center's fault. How much of, you know, defense at the NBA level is, is about containing guys on the perimeter and, and funneling them to the appropriate help and, and isn't really just on the center to block every shot and, and keep people away from the paint? Yeah, that, that's it, man. I, I think it's very important. Positioning is, is very important in, on defense. Um, the, the game is really spread out now, so it's going to be hard to, you know, we have centers now that are spacing out to the corner. Uh, and they can actually really shoot it at, you know, at a decent clip, you know, at 35, 40%. And to ask a center to, to, to guard the corner and then also guard a guy, you know, coming off a screen to the basket, that's tough. I mean, that's tough. Can it be done? I mean, on occasions, yes. Uh, but consistently, I think that you have to be in the right position to help your teammates, and that's help the helper. Uh, and I've watched, you know, a number of Wizards games this, this, this season, and that's what I see that's lacking is just the ability to help the helper. And you have to be on a string, you know, it, it has to be in your DNA, and that's a want to. So for, you know, to try to single out, you know, the tallest guy on the floor and tell him, hey, go go make sure that no one gets the basketball in the rim, it's gonna be, it's gonna be tough, especially when it's an offensive game uh, and any contact, you know, that that offensive player is making, is usually gonna get a foul. Um, so I'd say, man, just, just make sure that we are talking about you know, guys being in the right position as opposed to uh, who's not doing, you know, a rim protector. And that's kind of the insight you don't get. And, and you hear a lot of um, uh, comments from, from Scott Brooks and the coaching staff about you'll see a game where, where Mo Wagner had, you know, 19 points and nine rebounds and the average fan says, oh, Mo played a great game. And then you hear 
Coach Brooks after the game absolutely killing Mo because, you know, twice he didn't rotate on, on big possessions or, or, you know, didn't box a guy out, you know, completely. And, and that got them a second chance three and stuff like that. So I think once we get back into gameplay and, and um, you know, play picks back up, hopefully those are the kind of things that we'll look to you to kind of help point out for us. And, you know, hey, this, this wasn't this guy's fault on this possession. It's actually, you know, two guys over didn't shift where he needed to be. And and that's the thing that, that I, I think, you know, we as fans don't don't always see. Yeah, I mean, that, that's really what I want to bring to the table is I've actually was watching the game the other night uh, and, and saw that exact thing happen where there's just confusion uh, between, um, I think it was Brad and, and Napier, uh, just mm-hmm. on the guy that was that was coming to do a split screen and the guy just actually just slipped to the basket. There was just no communication. So you could, you know, point fingers, but at the end of the day, you know, we weren't in the right position to stop that play. And, and that's something that you look at and you can watch over on film. And then, you know, on the offensive end, it's like, if, if you guys take enough shots, you're going to score enough points. So you never look at, you know, what you're doing on the offensive side is to tell the story, you know, of your game. It's what you're doing, you know, overall with deflections. And, you know, like I said, on defense, being in the right position, you know, those things really matter. You know, when you talk about, you know, next level winning, and, and winning situation, winning organizations. You mentioned Shabazz Napier, who was a, a midseason pickup at the trade deadline. And there's been a lot of talk about, you know, his play overall. And I think fans have responded pretty well. He's averaging, you know, around 12 points, around five assists. And and obviously he's a free agent at the end of the season, whereas uh, Ish Smith is, is signed on for another year. Uh, this is just sort of a a philosophy question, I guess, that I want to bounce off of you. You know, I think there's kind of two ways you can go about this. I would say Ish plays similarly to the way that, that John Wall plays, and, and he kind of pushes the tempo and, you know, likes to move the ball, but, you know, is, is a little smaller, maybe not necessarily the best defender, whereas Napier shoots at a higher percentage, is uh, a little sturdier defensively. You know, do you, do you think it's better for a team to have a backup point guard that comes in and kind of keeps the same system up that the starter runs? Or, or do you like it better when the, the backup point guard is more of a change of pace and brings something different to the table? I, I like a change of pace. Uh, I, I like a change of pace just for the strategy of, of what you're doing, um, you know, for the other team is to give them a different look. Uh, so they have something uh, different to scout for. Uh, when you put the same guy out there with the, with the different group, then you're going to pretty much get the same results. Um, so I, I like to, to to change it up where you are, you know, now forcing, you know, the opposing coach to to make their adjustments, whether it's a guy that you have to go over the screen or under the screen or where you got a guy that's a, a pass first guy versus a, a shoot first uh, penetration guy. So, you know, depending on who's starting, you know, I think I, I would like to have that that next guy up give me something different, because then once you play those guys together, then they can com- they can play off one another. That makes a lot of sense, and, and it, it sort of helps transition into a, a, another question here, too, about um, the, the power forward spot. So uh, Roy Hatchamore is a little more mid-range oriented at this point, um, whereas Davis Bertans is is basically lethal from anywhere inside half court, and, and mm-hmm. those guys um, definitely kind of make defenses account for, for different things. Would you like to see the Wizards bring Bertans back next year? I would. I would. I think he's he's done a, he's done a great job. I think he's you know the fans have, have really you know gravitated towards him. Um, one because it was a bright spot, giving you know the organization some shine. So yeah, I, I think it'd be a good you know, good thing to run it back. 
just uh, looking, you know, looking ahead to the offseason, if in fact this is kind of the, the end of the road here for the Wizards, um, what, what do you think they need to look to to add, you know, in the offseason to kind of bolster certain positions? I think you look at that, you know, that that I guess right now it's a small forward, power forward center position. <laughs> These guys are kind of all built the same way. Sure. Uh, but you got a guy that's, you know, somewhat of a, a, a rim protector, meaning that they're active so they can guard multiple positions where they can get from the corner and actually get to, you know, can guard a ball screen, get to the corner, but also get, you know, in front of the basket to protect the basket. Length is very um, important in today's game because we're, we're doing, you know, multiple switches and guarding different positions. And then there's a, a free-for-all, you know, headed towards the basket. So you have to have some length, you know, to, to, to try to control that. So I, I see that the Wizards have guards. I mean, they have good guard play. Um, they brought in a young, you know, small forward that his body will transition. Uh, he'll be exactly what the Wizards hope him to be, hoped him to be, I, I believe. Uh, so I'm looking for, you know, not necessarily a name right now, but that's the sort of body type and the sort of positioning that I would be looking for. A guy that can really help us, you know, on the defensive end uh, and be a threat, you know, in front of the basket on the offensive end. A lot of the small forward minutes this year have gone to, to two young players and Troy Brown Jr. and, and Isaac Bonga. What, what do you think of those two guys so far and, and what do they both need to improve on in the offseason to kind of make more of an impact next year? I, I think what will help those guys is, is what's built around them. Uh, these are young guys that are trying to find their way. Both guys know uh, Troy for sure has played a lot of high-level basketball, so he's, he understands that environment. I think now it's really surrounding those guys with, like we said, like those that veteran presence that can teach these guys the ins and outs of the games, the tricks of the trade, you know, how to play defense, how to get your shot off, you know, how to recognize what the other teams are doing. So I think in that position is, is very key you know, with, throughout the league is that small forward spot. And I think we're having, you know, these two young guys, there, there's, there's some room obviously to grow, but I think they'll benefit from what's around them, uh, especially, you know, right now, uh, the better, system the better culture that's created for them I think that they can be more successful in that one of the things um you've heard lately uh, you know Troy Brown Jr. fell out of the rotation for a little bit there and a lot of fans were clamoring for hey you know this is this is a development year he's young you need to throw him out there for as many minutes as possible how much of it for an organization is yeah we know we need to get this young guy minutes but we also need to make sure he's doing the right things to to earn those minutes, uh, you know, talk, can you talk a little bit about the behind the scenes sometimes that, that factor into those playing time things, maybe in practice, he's not, you know, rotating the right way or talk, you know, doing the positioning things we talked about. Yeah. I mean, as, as a veteran on, on, on a team um, and we're struggling and the thought process is we should play the young guys uh, to see what we have or to, you know, push their progress on. I'm not excited about that. Uh, if that young person is not, like you said, is not performing in practice, uh, not taking advantage of, you know, film study, not taking advantage of the, the development tools that are for them, right? I don't think that anyone should just be given uh, the opportunity to play uh, because it's a grown man's league. Uh, I don't think you should just be given the opportunity to play because you're young and we're struggling. Uh, I feel like you should be the best student in the class. Obviously, as a, as a young player, you may not have all the physical tools or all the, the know-how. But if you're the best student in class, uh, you can see effort. You can understand that that you know this player is understanding this information and, and is attempting to execute. Um, I think coaches you know can play in on that, and then that that tells me this this guy should get some more minutes to work through some of those problems that we're seeing you know on the practice floor or work 
or work through some of those things uh, that we're not quite identifying during our film session uh, so you can get them some more live, you know, real-time uh, game situations and scenarios. But I, I'm, I'm completely against, you know, playing the young guy just because we're in a rebuild because it just send, it sends a bad message to uh, the entire group. You hear a lot of, of, of chatter, um, you know, especially online about uh, the job Scott Brooks has done this year and, you know, why does he do this rotation or, or how come this guy plays ahead of this guy? And, you know, why don't we just score on, on every play, you know, every ATO or, or something like that? Talk a little bit about, you know, the, the position that's like for a coach, you know, you played on a rebuilding team and, and obviously good coaches that, that that's a lot, that's a stressful job for them. Can, can you tell us a little bit what that's like, you know, being with a coach who is coaching a rebuilding team, I guess. Yeah, I'd say it's tough, man. I'd say it's tough. And I think, you know, coaches, you know, these days they're, they're getting paid for that, that, that problem and players are, it's, it's the exact same way. So, you know, coaches are paid to manage those situations. Uh, It's really to their discretion, right? I mean, they have a system, coaches have a system that they want to run and they envision how this system or how these things can work out. And if different players aren't able to execute that system or perform in, 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 the, in the way that a coach believes they should perform, then it's tough for the crowd or for, you know, people on the outside to say, hey, this guy should deserve this amount of minutes, right? Because I think coaches are in it. I mean, they're in it, you know, in the, you know every day, every night. I mean, he's you know, working long hours to put plans together to hopefully get everyone in a position that they can be successful, right? If a coach, you know, feels that a player won't be successful in – this scenario, then that player, you know, may not play. So I couldn't hold it against the coach because you didn't put that player in the position that he wasn't going to be successful. Sometimes it is, you know, trial and error where you aren't quite sure and you, you know, you play a rotation that you don't exactly know what you can get out of it, but you try it anyway because you're searching for certain things. But if a coach has a vision and they want to go through all of their steps, you know, from A to Z, then you have to respect that. And um, and that's really how I look at it is that sometimes we don't necessarily know the entire vision of the coach. We haven't understood what the organization is doing or attempting to do. And we would assume that those things match up. But I think basketball is really a free flowing deal where you have guys coming in, you have trades, you have injuries. So the coach is really in control. So I, I really take a step back and, and I've been on the side of, of, of the table of thinking I should be in the game and I'm actually on the bench. But at the end of the day, if that coach is making that decision, uh, that's really something that that we as players and as fans, we have to deal with, you know, and support that opportunity. How much of that is communicated to you as a player in advance, whether it's at the start of the year, like, hey, you know, based on where we are with the season, you know, your, your role may be this versus that, um, or even just on, you know, hey, I've fallen out of the rotation because these other guys mesh better together. Do, do teams communicate that to you along the way, or is it just sort of expected that, you know, you're a professional and whatever they say, you know, you'll, you'll be good with. Yeah, man, that's really it. It's, it's really it. I mean, it, it's really, you're a professional and you'll have to deal with every scenario that comes your way. You start to be on teams of guys that you play with and they're the coach. So sometimes those relationships are completely different and I don't feel like a coach should always have to initiate that conversation as far as to this is this is what we're planning to do. I feel like if the player has a role and he's sensing that role to change, 
then I feel like that player should go and address that situation. The coach is dealing with a lot of different personalities, a lot of different things that are going on, but that situation of you maybe not getting this many minutes or falling out of the rotation is, is strictly on you as the person. So my advice is always to make sure that that player is addressing those situations with the coach as opposed to waiting for the coach to address those situations with the player. Do you, do you think coaches and, and front offices handle that communication diff- differently for a, a young player versus a veteran? You know, does it, does a younger guy need to understand a little bit more, Hey, this is why you factor in or why you, you know, we're progressing you this way. Is it, is it a little easier to understand once you've kind of been in the business and seen it more? Oh, it, it is definitely, uh, you can recognize different things. I mean, things change. I mean, the business comes in for, situations you have no control over um, you can be you know a, a guy that's in his 30s uh, playing well and like you said that the playing time deal if you get a guy that comes in is drafted then it's like hey we, we may have to see what this kid has and you as this 30 year old guy we have to pay more attention to to the young guy because this is where this is the direction that we're going so I think it, it, it depends on like I said it depends on the organization and, and who the players are and what sort of relationships you know that you have, whether it be with front office, whether it be with the coaches, or with you know team captains or, or your veteran players. Wholeheartedly with you there. Um, I, I think you know we've kind of gone through maybe not every player, player by player, but the sort of the bulk of the positions overall. And you know I think most of the, the thoughts here have been been pretty positive. So I think is it overall is it is safe to say you're you know obviously we would prefer to be pulling for a you know winning team that's you know a two seed in the east or something like that but do you like the direction that they're heading overall and, and their chances for for kind of bouncing back next year I, I do I really like the chances I think we when you, you set the track of, of where you're going to be you know we're going to need to do some rebuilding we have some injuries that we need to to take care of and get guys healthy you understand that so you can't change your trajectory in, in midstream right you have to stay the course of the plan that you set out with, that's the plan. And I don't think there's been anything to show. I mean, it's just been the first year under under Tommy. I don't think there's been anything to show that it's time to change away from their plan. Now, do I know their exact plan? I do not. But I understand that they have young guys on their team. They have veteran guys on their team. They have some contracts that are hefty contracts that will probably be around. And those are guys that can be, you know, that can, we can build something around. So I think that the direction, you know, as far as to, setting that culture, coming into work every day, chopping that, you know, the bit to, to, to get better, uh, to learn more, to be better. I think that that's, you know, that's where they're at. And I, I feel like they should continue that track. Hopefully the season is not over where they can get, you know, more experience playing with each other. Uh, but if not, you know, making sure that they stay the course uh, because I think they'd have, you know, good guys on their team. And I think they, they have a good leadership. I think this is where the the name of the podcast is particularly appropriate. You know, it's believe in wizards, and and we're we're trying to believe in the direction the wizards are going in, and that they have the the right people to take them there and, and kind of move them forward. We've we've talked about some, uh, you know, some deep themes today, some heavy stuff. Um, maybe we can kind of close out on a little bit of a lighter note here. You know, I, I don't know about you, but uh, at least in in our household in the evening, you know, there's some game on in the background. You know, for a lot of the night, there's some background noise. Um, Luckily, my wife is supportive of that. But what are you going to do to fill the time now that you don't have uh, college or, or, or NBA basketball to watch? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's uh, 
That's a great question. I haven't really thought about it. Got any shows you're looking forward to or, or movies coming out that, that you're excited for? You know what? I, I tend to, uh, to, you know, to watch the Netflix and the Hulu. So there's nothing necessarily standing out now, but I am a, you know, I always told people I would get asked, you know, questions, you know, growing up, you know, or after I made it, you know, to the NBA, if, if you didn't play in the NBA, what would you do or what, you know, what would you be? And early on, I was, you know, a movie critic. That was, I would always tell people, man, I would be a movie critic. I would I be like a movie it. So for me, I'm going to find, you know, I'm going to scroll, I'm going to channel surf, see what, you know, good movies have good information about them and probably just sit back and catch some movies and, and do the critiquing thing on, on movies. Any uh, interest in this Ben Affleck basketball movie that's coming out or just recently came out? Um, yeah, I actually want to go and uh, ch check that movie out. We had an event here uh, for actually for our high school team, which they were able to, to uh, see the movie before it came out. And they just did that last week as a part of a you know, community deal that we have here in St. Louis. I didn't get a chance to go, but definitely will, will, will check that movie out. When there's no basketball, so I need something else to do. I, uh, I'm subscribed to an, an AMC movie pass where for 20 bucks a month, you, you can see up to three movies a week. So I'm, I'm going to put full, get full mileage out of that over the next couple of weeks, I think. Yeah, you, we have to get back to, to the late night movies. I mean, I'm usually a, a matinee type of guy, but to fill that time, you know, no basketball, I might have to do it a little bit later. Yeah, exactly right. Um, well, hey, Larry, this has been great. Uh, I think, you know, we gave folks kind of a taste of uh, what they can look forward to throughout the rest of the season here. And, and we'll obviously encourage folks to, to hit either of us up on Twitter or the Believe in Wizards Twitter account. Send us your comments, questions, suggestions for the type of content that, that you want to see throughout the year. We want to make sure that this is, uh, you know, interactive for everybody and that they kind of get what they're looking for out of this podcast. So again, encourage everybody to check us out. Please rate and subscribe. Um, you can find us anywhere, you know, obviously that, that the podcasts are released. And yeah, hopefully we, we have some basketball to talk about here in the near future, but I think, Larry, we can line some good guests up for him in the meantime, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. We're going to have some fun with this, man. We're going to have some fun with this. We want to be insightful, um, obviously, with, the, with our Wizards focus. Uh, but again, it, it's about, you know, the, the, the 450, uh, as we like to call them, the guys that are playing in the NBA. We want to support them as well. I like it. All right, uh, folks, again, this is Believe in Wizards, and uh, we'll see you here soon. to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube